Welcome to this edition of Fastlane, a JCTV podcast. This week, Season 12 DI9 Designs NAOR Series Champion Chris Wright stops in the Fastlane to discuss his title run and the league as a whole. Also, Cameron Caldwell talks about his recent Martinsville victory and the upcoming In the Pits News Truck Series finale. Hunter Karsten talks the slide job racing league's young 10th season, plus a discussion on the NIS Daytona 500. JCTV picks head west for California's Pella Casino 400, and we debut the Juicy Spider Gaming Sim Rig Showcase. Chris Wright, the DI9 Designs NOR Series Season 12 champion, has joined Fastlane ahead of this weekend's finale at Michigan. So looking back at the season, is there any race or any moment that you wish something different happened? You know, I I really can't think. You know, it's hard to look back on moments and, and say, man, I wish this would have happened or that would have happened because it's all worked out, you know, to, to be the champion, to win three races. So I'll just take a, a broad answer here and say, you know, I'd like to have made Darlington. You know, I missed that one race. I would have liked to have been there for that because that's a fun track and – from what I understand, it was a great race, and, and the tire fall off and, and whatnot at Darlington. It's always fun to run Darlington. So if I could uh, change one moment, that would be the one to, to show up for Darlington. There were a lot of memorable moments this season for you, like you mentioned, picking up three victories on the season. Is there something that stands out in your mind uh, that is the most memorable thing that happened to you? Um, as far as one, just one moment memorable, I, it's hard to it's hard to say, you know. There was so many good battles. I think about Dover and a battle coming right down to the end. You know, we won Bristol. I, I guess that would have to be the one that to get the first one. It, you know, it's uh, it was a long time. Ago, well, maybe not too long ago, but it was it was a while back that you know we got three or four races in, and I hadn't you know I hadn't won, and and finally was able to do it at Bristol. So that first one, getting it done at Bristol, and and then everything kind of fell into place after that. It it uh, it was very difficult to get the first one. I, I will say that. So heading into next season, uh, I see here uh, nothing is official yet. Uh, the one thing that Josh does is is you know allows drivers to to vote for for things, um, and one of the current votes that are going on right now is for next season's ride and right now the ship is on the gen 6 side so it looks like we're going to be going to uh driving the gen 6 next season so is there anything you know with changing cars do you feel like this will help or hurt your chances to try to go back to back well as you know the the car change is going to change a lot um let me, let me think about how to word this here. I, I will say this. I am way, way more confident in my ability on a lot of these tracks in a cup car than I am in an Xfinity car. I don't really – a lot of the times the Xfinity car is really, really tight. It drives off the right front. You're burning the right front. I um, I really enjoy the next-gen car. I know a lot of guys don't. I really enjoy it. It's right now – getting updated every couple months. It's getting better and better. I like the fact that it's got the side draft and the dirty air. I feel like it's the most up-to-date car. So I know you brought up the, the Gen 6 car, but the next-gen car for me would probably be the one that I would most enjoy running because it's the most up-to-date. You, That's the only car on the NASCAR side that has that dirty air effect, and, and the car is hard to drive. I mean, it'll snap on you out of nowhere, and it's, uh, it's a very unique 
car over everything else. But as far as the Gen 6, I'm good with that. It's That car's got a lot of horsepower. We'd have to use a lot of brake. It's going to be hard to drive. I would uh, I would say that that would be a lot of fun, and it would, and for me personally, I feel like I would run better in that than I do in in the Xfinity car. But I think that's kind of across the board. I think a lot of guys would like the cars to be a little freer, and the Xfinity car, while it's fun to drive and it it really wears the right front out, we would be getting a boost in horsepower, be more off throttle time, and the car would just in general be freer so i think it would be uh it would make the racing better across the board if it was a gen 6 but if i could pick any one of them it, it would be the next gen car if it was up to me back to season 12 was there a single driver that there was a lot of enjoyable moments to race and compete with? Uh, a lot of different drivers uh, went against you this season, going for victories. Did anyone stick out, and was there a specific battle with them uh, that stands out to you that uh, made a highlight for you this season? Well, I'm going to look really bad here because I don't remember names. But I'll start out with the names I know. Nick and I had some great battles through the season with him on some different strategies at some points. And, and that's one thing I really like about Nick. And I wish more people, not just in a, in an AOR, but more people in iRacing would do in general. Like if you don't have a car good enough to go run for the win, do something different on strategy, you know, cause if, if you do what the leader does and you're running fourth, you're going to continue to run fourth. So one thing that Nick does every week, if he's running fourth, well, he's not going to do, what the leader's going to do, whether it's me or Josh or somebody else, he's going to do something different and try to give himself some kind of shot to win the race. Now, it's not always going to work. You know, there's a reason that the strategy is kind of the way it is for the leaders when they are the leader. They're going to probably play the best strategy, give themselves the best shot to win, and keep their track position. And so a lot of times what you see is, like Nick did it at Dover, it, it didn't work at all. But it, it gave himself a bunch of laps led. And it put himself up there in case there was a caution. So the battles with Nick, and and with Nick, it's more than just the racing battle. It's the strategy battle. You're always kind of concerned, or I am anyway. I'm always wondering, like, what's Nick doing? I know he pitted right here, still 25 laps of fuel left or whatever it might be. So I'm always trying to – that's a car where I'm trying to keep track of what he's doing all the time. Even if I'm in front of him by 10 seconds, if he's doing something, it's – it's something that's going to – it has the chance to work out. And so you're always kind of trying to be aware of what Nick is doing. And then there's been some great battles with uh, with Cole. There's been some great battles. Uh, look at the Martinsville race recently. I can't even remember either of the two guys' names. Terrible on my part. But you got the 92 out there. Um, he's been really strong. And is it is it Jose? Is that the – yeah, he's been strong. I think he's the guy that, that ran me down at Dover. We had a great battle at Dover. So there's been battles with uh, with a bunch of different drivers who are right now, when they're listening to this, are going to be frustrated that I forget their names. But I just, I'm just i terrible with names unless I've known you for a while. Like, it takes me a long time to remember. Like, I'm just, I'm old, all right? I'm like 30 years old. My memory, it's shot. Jonathan, he was really good at, at Martinsville. We all raced really clean at Martinsville. You know, it. And, and raced hard at the front, and 
as you saw at Martinsville, there was also other things that took place that weren't so clean. But I feel like the three of us that ran one, two, three for most of that event raced super clean, gave each other plenty of room. And um, I had the opportunity on the last lap to to knock him out of the way. But I just on iRacing, it's way too way too unpredictable as far as like you might think you're just barely getting into the guy and some kind of little bit of net code happens, you wreck the guy. It just wasn't worth the risk. And I think uh, I think that was uh, the way to go about it. I don't I don't want to just run people over and race with a bunch of a bunch of contact. You know, I'd, I'd rather race somebody door to door and race them hard and. You're talking about Charlotte. You know, Cole and I raced really hard. Uh, Hunter. Hunter was up there. And uh, he was super fast. Ended up winning Charlotte. And the battle that he and I had mid-race was incredible. So it's just every week it's somebody different. Or it's a lot of the same players that are just doing different things. And But out of all those guys, Nick's the only one that you have to keep track of his strategy. Because everybody else is going to kind of do the same thing you're doing. And speaking of Charlotte the other night, last Friday, you got to race against your brother, Zachary. How was that? You went on to finish on the podium in third place run uh, to clinch that championship the other night uh, in Charlotte. Uh, that race, though, like I mentioned, raced against your brother. What was that like uh, getting to go against him? Well, he and I don't race each other a whole lot. He's still pretty new to the sim. I think he's been he's he's having the count active for a couple years, but... As far as seat time in the sim, he doesn't race very often. He doesn't get on a whole lot. And I believe that was only the second time he's raced in an NAR race. So it's a lot of fun to race with him, race against him. I try to help him just like I I try to help anybody. Anybody who wants to, to come to me and ask for help, I'm, I'm going to help them. I'm an open book. And there are some guys who have came to me. Donnie is one of them, for example. I help Donnie whenever I can, whenever he's wanting to know something. Nick Happyack, Josh Arnold, those guys, anytime they want to know something, and that, and that goes for everybody, anybody who hears this, you know, if you're in the league or not in the league, you know, I'm I'm not going to keep something from somebody. I, You know, I, I want everybody to do well. I want everybody to get better. I'm still getting better all the time. you got to – and the only way to get better is to race against the people, you know, that are sometimes better than you, that are sometimes more confident than you. It's just um, – it's – you're, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse, in my opinion. And so I just – I want everybody to – I all these guys that are, are kind of newer to IRAC and NAUR, like I'm – I'll help them any way I can. If they want me to help them, they come and ask me for something. And the same, you know, for them, like there's some places where Nick is really good. Like you look at New Hampshire, you know, I wasn't – I really wasn't a, a threat at New Hampshire until the very end. I played the strategy right. I got in the right spot, you know. So I'm leaning on Nick that week, like, hey, Nick, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't know. I just bought the track. Just got it, you know. And he just took a knack to that place and took a knack to it. And, and Nick's – man, Nick's got so much speed at some places and, and gets caught up in some things. But all these guys over the course of the season since we started are getting better, you know. I I, we're gonna, I know we'll probably hit on it here in the interview too. Donnie has gotten a lot better. You know, he's it's night and day from when he started, but he is completely new to the service. And this is his first uh, forte into iRacing here the last six months or so. And then uh, to bring this all the way back to Zach there, it's a lot of fun to race with him. Of course, we're closer than anybody on the sim that I've raced with or where I'm teammates with. So 
he's going to know other things. He'll be he can come into my you know he can come over and come in here and, and actually watch what I'm doing, see how I'm doing things, and I'm not having to explain it over line over Discord or you know trying to show my throttle and put. He can come in and see exactly what I'm doing. So of course he's going to pick some things up a little better. But I'm always you know. I want to get to the point where, you know, I think it would be really cool at some point in the future if Zach and I could race for a win here at, at one of these tracks coming up or, or next season. Well, this weekend is a season finale, as mentioned. Uh, it takes place at Michigan International Speedway. Uh, what are you looking forward to that track? Are you just going to go out there with uh, – you know, no expectations, just kind of giving it all you got or, uh, you know, just uh, treating it like uh, another race? Well, I think you, you got to treat it just like everything else. If you go into it treating it different, you're going to go into it tight and you're going to go into it afraid to, to roll the dice or, or do something. You know, we're, we've got it locked up once the once we roll off the grid. It's... Just treat it like every other race. You know, Michigan is a track that, even with the repave on iRacing, it's very much got a lot of tire fall off, unlike we see in real life where they kind of can just run the same tires all race. We're going to wear the tires out. The line's going to move a little bit. And from the takeoff, the line's not even going to be on the bottom. You're going to run that second, third lane. It's going to be quite a bit of off-throttle time once we get towards the middle of those runs. So, I, I just approach it. I'm going to approach it like any other race. It's just another race. There's Don't put it up there and make it special. You know, if, if you put it up there and make it special, you're setting yourself up for failure. So, run it like any other race. And if, you know, if you run well and you do well, then that's great. If not, you know, we get to move on and, and celebrate, hopefully celebrate a title afterwards and, and take it as it comes. If it's, you know, kind of, my approach is if it's meant to be, it's going to be. And if it's not, you're, you know move on to next season and, and start them up and try again. Uh, Charlotte. Um, I think I mentioned it during Charlotte that I feel like if there's a vote for most improved hands down, it's, it's Donald. Yeah. It's uh yeah. Like a lot of these guys I know are new to iRacing. And so when I came in, I was like, listen, boys, you need help with anything. Like you want to know, like I'm an open book. I don't keep any, I'm not going to not tell somebody something, you know, like, yeah. I'm going to tell them everything. Like, if somebody asks about tire wear mid-race, I'm going to tell them. I, I'm not going to lie to anybody about tire wear or anything because, you know, I'm friends with all these guys outside of this. And, I'm you know, I want all of them to get better and, and you know, improve. Hell, I'm still improving all the time, too. Like, I'm still – if I go somewhere and I struggle, I'm asking, you know. So, But Donnie and Nick are the only ones who, like, constantly – ask me like hey what are you doing here what should i be doing like how how are you doing with this what you're setting for this i'm kind of surprised because i everybody knows when i came in i was like listen boys anything you want to know just ask and i'll i'll give you a straight answer and those are the only two guys who have really sought me out yeah that's pretty cool it was great coming on here thanks for asking me to come on anytime you guys want me to come on i'm more than happy to do so you know bring me and nick on here together sometime that just an idea but i want to say thanks to you guys for broadcasting the league uh di9 designs for for coming on board there i know josh puts a lot of time and effort into this league and like you mentioned earlier about the voting we get to vote on everything as drivers try to make it as fair as he can and the league's a lot of fun. 
it's uh, a very tight knit community, a lot of friendships in here and whatnot. And like I said, just a shout out to you two for broadcasting and, and talking about this every week and bringing me onto this podcast. It was a great time. And now it's time for this week's JCTV picks. But first, we got to recap who finished where for the 65th Daytona 500 on Sunday. Dawson Allen picked the best out of everyone. He finished fourth with Chris Bosher as his pick. Uh, Josh Coppernell picked Ryan Blaney. Ended up eighth. Cameron Caldwell with Brad Keselowski, 22nd, involved in an incident late. Uh, Adam Kuhn, myself, I picked Noah Gregson. He finished 24th. Jonathan Canfield picked Justin Haley. He ended up 32nd. And Michael Kruger picked Eric Jones, involved in a wreck early, ended up in 37th. Well, off the randomizer this week, Michael Kruger went first. Yeah, Michael Kruger chose Kyle Busch. And uh, Cameron Caldwell, he chose second. Yeah, he said he went with the other Kyle, picking Kyle Larson this week. Daytona went and Dawson Allen went next. And Dawson went with Tyler Reddick. And after that, Jonathan Canfield chose... Yeah, he chose Chase Elliott, and then I went up next after him. And uh, I believe you chose Daniel Suarez, and uh, then I I had the last pick this week. And you picked Ryan Blaney for the second week in a row. And that's who we're picking for this week uh, at Auto Club Speedway, the Pala Casino 400. Uh, who do you think is going to win this weekend in Fontana? Joining us now on Fastlane is Cameron Caldwell, the winner at Martinsville in the in the Pits News Truck Series the other night. What was that race like from the driver's seat cam, uh, getting your second victory on the season? Yeah, it was a fairly, I'm not going to say an up and down race, but uh, it was sometimes a struggle with all the caution and stuff. Um, just kind of wanted to get some laps going, clicked off, and um, when we did have a good run going, I felt pretty confident in my abilities to get up front and stay up front, and obviously there was a little bit of strategy involved at the end, but, um, you know, I was just able to hold on, and felt like regardless of any possible strategy, I was able to, oh, would have finished top two anyway, so um, I just had the track position over Parker, and I knew he was going to race it clean, so had to execute and final restart and that was it well speaking of parker uh you finally really got to battle with him uh which i'm sure is something that you uh look forward to all season long and uh you know it happened at a track that i think you had circled on the calendar as one that might be one that he could run away with so uh, of course, you came out the winner of that race. How does it make you uh, feel uh, knowing that uh, you know you beat one of the best uh, in the series right now at a track that you thought would be uh, one that he might just run away with? Well, him and I go way back. We've been racing since uh, when NASCAR 15 was still very popular on the PS3. So... Uh, we've been racing each other for, I don't know, six, seven years now, probably. Um, 
And on every game we've raced against, he's always been really good at Martinsville. And so I, I had a feeling that was probably going to carry over to iRacing. Um, and that, of course, did. But Martinsville has also been a really good track for me on iRacing. So I felt pretty confident. It's definitely one I circled for myself as well as him. Um, and I was really happy to be able to go toe-to-toe with him the whole race. Um, haven't been able to do that this season, really, because... He's usually in front of me by a good margin, so um, for one thing, it was a lot of fun to to race with him, but it was much more satisfying to beat him, uh, as we've seen, he's been pretty dominant this season, so uh, I was just really happy to uh, get one over him. Well, how was it on track at Mountainsville Saturday night? Uh, seeing the competition uh, change in one season from the last race we had, though. Well, um, season two, the finish didn't really go my way. Uh, you know, kind of got put on the fence, more or less. Uh, but I didn't feel like I was really in a position to win that race overall. I felt like both Jason and Alonzo were better than me in that race. And with that big wreck, I was just kind of in prime position for a chance at it. Uh, but this season, I felt like the competition was going to be a lot tougher because obviously we have Parker and uh, a few other guys that have either joined the league and been fast from the get-go or guys who have set it up this season and been a lot faster. Uh, so I felt like it was going to be tougher. And it was really satisfying to be able to, to win with that thought in mind that the competition was going to be tougher as well as kind of get redemption uh, for Season 2 at Martinsville. So that was your final race of the season. Uh, you mentioned it was awesome to go out on top. Does this give you a boost of confidence heading into the next season? Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, definitely gives me a boost of confidence going into Martinsville next season. Uh, but it's not like many other tracks. And, you know, a lot of our schedule is made up of mile and a half. And I haven't won in a mile and a half in the league. So um, got to kind of work on those. But. You know, it's nice to have a little bit of momentum going into next season, for sure. Um, I think it does carry over, like they say in real life. So, um, it wasn't my best season. Obviously, I was able to get two wins, uh, but I just didn't feel like I was on pace with the rest of the guys for most of the season. So, uh, just got to hope I can do better in season four and hopefully knock out a few more wins. Well, what do you expect for Season 4? Uh, clean slate, obviously. A couple new tracks added to the schedule we are expecting. So uh, what do you have to uh, expect on the competition side and on the driver's side? Yeah. Um, in terms of... I'm going to talk as the league owner here. Um, we're going to have some like heavy recruitment going on to try to increase the field count. So it's hard to say what the competition is going to be like next season. Assuming we do well in recruiting, I would think it's going to be pretty tough, but really strong as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, we do have some new tracks that we're uh, going to head to. Uh, Texas being one of them. It was one of this season, but uh, we had a poll between it and Darlington, and Darlington won out. And 
we didn't feel like Darlington went the way that we wanted it to, so we're going to give Texas a shot this time. So um, that and a few other tracks uh, will be new to the schedule, which will be released on the uh, JCTV broadcast for Kansas this weekend. So um, looking forward to that. But yeah, um, I think the competition is going to be pretty good next season. I'm looking forward to it, like I said. Uh, it's just going to be interesting to see where I fit in as a driver with uh, everyone who joins and the existing guys as well. When you mentioned Kansas this weekend, you won't be a part of it like we uh, talked about a little bit earlier. What do you expect uh, to watch this Saturday night uh, from Kansas this season finale? Uh, I think it'll be a good race. Um, obviously, you know, Parker's been dominant all season. He's been really good at the mile and a half. So what we saw last season, and I know from personal experience otherwise, that Alonzo is really good at uh, Kansas. And uh, Justin as well was up there fighting for the win, or the lead at least, until he missed pit road last season. So I think there's potential for a good race up front, but uh, obviously I think more or less as long as Parker starts to race, he's locked into the championship. So in some ways it's nice to not have to worry about the points because it's like you can just kind of watch to enjoy the race and not have to worry about too many things. But, you know, obviously as a fan, you want to see a close points battle as well. So um, it is what it is. Sometimes you're going to have that. Sometimes you'll have it like, it was here in season one where it was decided by six points, I believe. So, uh, but now I'm looking forward to it. I wish I could race it. I love Kansas. I didn't get to race it last season either. And we didn't race it season one, so I'm yet to race in a Kansas race in this league. But hopefully season four I'm able to. So uh, we'll just have to see how it goes. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it this weekend. Also, this Saturday night, uh, the Dash for Cash is going to be up for grabs. Four drivers going for it. A little bonus program we had going through the playoffs. Can you explain a little, little bit more about it as we see the final race this Saturday? Yeah, so uh, this is all put on by Alonzo and Dawson. Uh, we wanted uh, there to be a little bit more to race for for the drivers who didn't make the chase. Uh, we've seen in previous seasons where once we hit the chase, the field count starts dipping down lower because there's less to race for. Um, and so they put this program together. So uh, first four races of the chase, the non-chasers were racing for $15 each race and a spot into the Dash Cash finale, uh, kind of like a Final Four system almost, um, at Kansas this weekend. So those drivers are Zach Propes, Josh Arnold, Ethan Moreno, and Nick Hapiak, um, all who have either been the highest finishing on Chaser, or uh, in Happy Axe's case, I believe it was Brett Brennan who finished ahead of him, but Brett won't be racing next weekend, so Happy Axe gets the spot based off that. Um, so they're all racing for $100 this weekend, so that is probably one of the main things to watch for this weekend, uh, since the points aren't terribly close. Um, if I had to put money i say this, uh, no pun intended, if I had to put money on one of these guys, I'm going to probably put it on probably Ethan, I think. I think Ethan will get it done. Uh, I wouldn't sleep on Josh either, though. So that's my pick. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I think that'll be exciting to watch as well. 
Fastlane, a JCTV podcast, is sponsored by FACES, the National Craniofacial Association. We're here with Josh Capano. Uh, we're here to talk about his NIS Daytona 500 on Sunday. Uh, Josh, how did it go? A uh, little chaotic race uh, that you you were in. A uh, pretty fun split, though. Yeah, uh, we started second, uh, which was a little bit of a bummer uh, to me. I wanted the pole. Um, last season, actually, um, I started on the front row in all the uh, restrictor plate type races, Daytona, Talladega, and Atlanta. Um, I won the, the pole at Daytona to start the season and uh, won the pole at Talladega to finish the season, but second everywhere else. So I really wanted the pole for this this uh, this race, but fell just short. Um, but, uh, you know, on the green flag, um, the inside lane just really didn't go. Um, I went as soon as green was displayed, so I didn't jump it or anything. But I got out to the lead, got in front of leader, uh, dove down to the inside and I led the first five laps. I want to say it was, uh, before, uh, a bunch of cars had a, a big run on the outside and, uh, took the lead away from me. And I just kind of sat back for a while and you mentioned, you know, chaos. Um, I actually got turned to the outside wall nose first, uh, about lap 40. But uh, surprisingly, there really was no damage. Uh, the car still handled fine. We were still turning 2,000 RPM. And I just never gave up. And I had, of course, you, Adam, and uh, Cam uh, in my ear uh, all race long. For Cam, most of the race, uh, just keeping me calm, giving me information what's going on. And, uh, you know, I, I can't believe it, but we led uh, 21 total laps. And uh, I think it was the last 16 laps. We never looked back and, and won the race. Yeah, Cameron, when you joined the sim, uh, what was the, the first thing you noticed about that split? And uh, what did you see from Josh's driving there? Well, uh, Josh and I have very different uh, driving styles when it comes to plate tracks. Um, I try to sit in the back and just avoid wrecks the whole time. And he was up front basically the whole time. So uh, the difference with, between his split and my split uh, was that in my split, it was more or less still file the majority of the time and felt like a wreck happened at any time. And, and his split is generally single file for most of the race. So he's able to stay up front and, you know, just kind of right in line for however many laps. And uh, I felt like they're, might have been some shenanigans going on at some different points throughout the race, but uh, Josh was able to keep a steady wheel and, uh, you know, hold on at the end. It was really impressive watching him hold off the field there towards the end. Uh, obviously, with your spotting and my advice, uh, he was able to hold off the, the field coming out for, and uh, I'm glad he moved up the track when he did because... Otherwise, I'm not sure how that would have finished. Josh, you mentioned the incidents uh, that you got in. Not just one getting into the wall. There was another one on the on a resto. He got spun out. A uh, very uh, minimal damage that was sustained there, if any. Uh, what was that restart like? And the restarts the entire race. <sighs> you know, it was just, it was crazy. Um, 
I mean, you know, the goal is to stay out of wrecks. And one thing about plate racing like that is they can come anywhere. And, uh, you know, like Cam mentioned is he likes to be in the back. I like to be up front. You know, you're really not safe anywhere. Restarts, everybody tends to try to get down to the bottom right away if possible. That outside lane really doesn't get going. So, um, you know, it's just if I'm on the outside, try to get down to the bottom as soon as possible. If I'm on the bottom, try not to let people from the outside get to the bottom uh, to try to maximize as much uh, position gain as I possibly can. So, you know, fortunately, um, I never really got much damage. You know, like I said earlier, turned out into the outside wall, hit the wall uh, with the nose and, and had like 40 seconds of repair. Uh, another time, you know, got spun like what you were just talking about. It was like 20 seconds of repair. Um, I, I honestly, I have no idea why or how that was the case, because if you ask me, it should have been a whole lot more. We should have been done and that race should have never ended the way it did. But, uh, you know, it was just trying to be cautious, but at the same time, be aggressive to stay up front, not lose the draft and, uh, be there when it matters, uh, the most. Yeah, speaking of it ending the way it did, uh, with the last 20 laps, once you got up to the lead, I never looked back like you mentioned a moment ago. What was that like uh, from your advantage, from your city, and what was going through your head? Well, first of all, I want to mention, you know, all week long, um, from when the Coca-Cola iRacing Series guys were racing, uh, and then just throughout the week, I kept hearing from, a lot of different people you do not want to be leading off of turn four on the white flag you don't want to do it and so i kept that in mind and you know i was leading and i was a little nervous um thinking that you know we're in a great position but you know at what cost and um you know i was i was a little nervous um with that in mind but now, of course, I couldn't really see what was going on behind me as as much as uh, I think I would have wanted to have. Um, but it, with you uh, and Cam really telling me what's going on, it helped me stay calm. Um, I think we lost like a good si- uh, a good chunk of the pack. Um, so there was only like five of us coming to the white flag, and then one guy. He had jumped out of line, and uh, somebody else went with him. And, uh, you know, coming through turn four, of course, or coming through three and four, of course, I'm leading, and I'm thinking, okay, what's going to happen here? And then that outside line got a run, and I hear from one or, or both of you, I don't even know who's one, but um, just go high, go high, go high. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm not going high yet. And the reason is because I didn't want to to go up there and have a a chance for um, the inside line to really try to get a run and we kind of stall back. So I held it until I got onto the flat. Uh, Now, had they been closer, I would have moved up sooner. But once I got onto the flat off turn four down into the, the... uh, straight away, uh, before the trial bowl, I felt like it was time to make the move. 
and I go to the outside. And as expected, the guy on the outside, he tried to go to the inside and block. Now, I felt like I was ahead plenty of uh, car lengths that, well, not necessarily car lengths, but space that I could go down low and block, and he just ran into the back of me and pushed me to the, the checkered. Um, but actually, when he went down, the car that was uh, originally behind me on the bottom was there, and he cut across uh, that guy's nose, and they ended up wrecking. And at this point, there's only two cars behind me. They're not even hooked up, and I'm way too close to the checkered flag. And I wasn't even out of the, the or into the trial mall yet, and I was screaming, I just won the Daytona 500. And I'll tell you what, my entire body went completely numb. And uh, I think it's mainly uh, to deal with anxiety, um, because I was really nervous there uh, at the end. Um, you know, that I've won now seven NIS races, uh, four of them being full distance races. But this by far is more meaningful, more special, uh, holds more um, more of, of a special place on a win list than uh, than the other ones. And you know, I've won the Southern 500, uh, two Phoenix full distance races back to back, 2022 and 2021. Uh, but this one, it, it definitely, it's definitely at the top of the list. Well, he mentioned the aggression behind him. Cameron, you saw the pack racing behind Josh. What did you think about the intensity level of racing there at the end coming to the finish? Well, it was really strange because they weren't really working together. You'd see one guy kind of jump out of line and try to make a run, and he would have no help, and he'd fall back. So um, I was just sitting there waiting for the guy in second to make a move, and he never really did, I don't think. is from fourth on back if I remember correctly so um yeah I don't know it, it was just kind of strange I felt like they would have been racing a lot harder towards the end than they were they're just kind of sitting there minding their business um and with these cars running the top is faster on the plate tracks I think um or at least you can generate a bigger run off the corners and just kind of you know Hold the bottom off, and we saw it in real life at some points in the f real 500. But um, yeah, no one really tried the outside more than you know just by themselves. And generally, you need some help up there with you to make it work. So uh, I don't know; they just weren't working together properly. But obviously, they allowed Josh to hang on, and they finally tried something towards the end, like in down the back stretch on the final lap, but. Uh, Josh is able to block it, and like you just explained, they they wrecked off four anyway. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty simple for Josh. He didn't have to do a ton of work, but obviously, as he explained, it's really stressful. We in that situation, waiting for the car behind you to make a move and trying to anticipate the block and all that. So, but Josh did a great job blocking it, and uh, obviously held on for the win. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, definitely a weird race to try and predict and try and call. Uh, a lot going on as soon as we didn't want it to happen. I know at one point, as soon as we got a green flag pit stop in, a caution came in for the lappers and it really threw the entire strategy we had planned, mapped up, gone out the window. And 
Uh, he got dragged quite a few positions back uh, towards, I believe, around 20th. Uh, able to fight back though pretty fast, though, Josh. Yeah, and, um, you know, I didn't want to be back there at all. I wanted to be up front. But there was a couple of times where I thought maybe it's just better off to bail and, and ride in the back. Um, I, I never did. Uh, and I, I think, you know, the, the setup I had was a really great setup. It was very fast. Um, really, nobody could, could get to my back bumper if I was leading. But I also noticed that I was kind of struggling to suck up to the car ahead of me a lot of times as well. And um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't know what their setup was. I don't know what setup I was running. Um, but, you know, it just seemed like there was a real big struggle, like especially if I didn't have somebody behind me. So I was trying to take runs when I could uh, go to the outside if the outside looked like it was going to work. If the outside didn't look like it was going to work, then to me there was no point to go out there. I'd stick with the bottom and gain positions that way. So, yeah, uh, we're trying to get up back up through the pack. And, um, you know, cautions were falling at some weird times. Uh, so we had a little bit of weird strategy going. And with the limited set of tires, it was always kind of take tires here. Do we not? I mean, it was like you wanted to pit for, for fuel regardless. But the tire situation was just kind of weird. So... You know, there were times that I was pitting and just getting fuel only rather than, um, you know, taking tires as well. So it was just a slow work to get back up to the front. And, um, you know, that's why I didn't lead anywhere in the middle. It's like I led in the beginning and I led in the end, you know, and there were there was nothing, nothing in between. And um, we actually threw green flag pit cycles. Uh, the very last pit stop that uh, what uh, what was going to get us to the end it was like, do we take tires? Do we not? How much fuel do I need? And Cam actually did some calculations. And uh, he told me uh, how much fuel I needed to make at the end. And uh, that we should put on some right side tires. And we assumed that there were going to be some guys that took no tires. And now let me tell you, if you don't take tires on green flag pit stops at Daytona, Talladega, when you are driving back out onto the track and you are down on the apron, you might as well throw on some some ice skates and uh, you know try to go ice skating because that's what it feels like. It is just so slick. And your car wants to step out on you. And um, so, you know, I'm getting out of the pits and I had right side tires on, which still is not ideal um, for to try to eliminate that, that slickness. But, I mean, it helps. And there were two guys in front of me who didn't take any tires. And one of them actually um, started to lose control. And I was able to get past him. Uh, and it actually put me in great position. We got to, to the lead, or maybe it was P2. I'm not sure which. Um, I had a lap car behind me, and there were still some other cycle, uh, pit cycles going through. And then we had a caution. It was like right after this. 
And the reason I, I, I think I might have been P2 there because I think we got around and then the leader hit. And so I think I inherited the lead then. And um, then, you know, it was just me controlling the race from there. And, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was real nervous as soon as I got the lead just because I did not want to lose the lead because I knew it was going to be super hard to get back to the lead had I lost the lead. Well, like Josh mentioned, uh, he was quite nervous there under those uh, last couple of cautions. Uh, Cameron, how did you calm him down? Uh, this is a position that you two have been in before spotting each other uh, for quite a few years now, though. Uh, so how used to that was you? For, uh, I messed that up. I'm going to cut that. I don't fucking know what it is. You said nice and smooth. That's smooth. That's smooth. Apron, apron, apron. I don't apron. know what to say, man. I don't know. I don't think I have any... It's fine. Anything else important to say for this? That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. You have, have anything else to say, Josh? Josh uh, always has something to say. That's true. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> uh, you know, I think, Adam, I'm just going to... Uh, you know, end this with, um, you know, I guess thanking everybody that, that was involved. Uh, you, Adam, uh, Cam, um, uh, C2 graphics in the pits news grid, uh, everybody that's on the, the car that makes, makes it possible to, to do this, have fun. Um, ACR, as well and uh you know the big one jctv um i am so glad that uh i have uh jctv and uh glad i get to support support my own uh brand and showcase it on my my race cars uh, while I get to race. Here's what we're looking forward to on JCTV. Friday, February 24th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, DI9 Designs NOR Series Finale for Michigan. The next day, Saturday, February 25th at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern, Blazer Sim Racing in the Pits News Truck Series Finale from Kansas. Then Tuesday, February 28th at 8.45 p.m. Eastern, the MF Racing Design Slide Job Racing League uh, at Bristol. And then one week later, on Tuesday, March 7th at 8.45 p.m. Eastern, the MF Racing Design Slide Job Racing League Premier Series at Circuit of the Americas. Uh, we're here with uh, Hunter Karsten. Uh, driver for the MF Racing Design Slide Job Racing League. Uh, so, Hunter, it's been a little bit of a rough start to the season for you. You finished 20th at Daytona and 22nd at Chicagoland, uh, one lap down. Uh, so we head to, to Las Vegas tomorrow night. Um, how are you looking to uh, perform at Las Vegas and try to, to better your finishes from, from uh, we've already had? Uh, just mainly running more consistently. Um, Las Vegas is a track I feel more comfortable at. Um, I had an issue of pitting too early last week that put me the lap down 
Um, but just running consistently and just staying out of trouble, really. I look forward to just being able to learn more. Um, I haven't really raced the Xfinity car often on mile and a half. Um, but just more consistency and just learning from everyone else because everyone's so skilled. And Bristow is in two weeks' time. That would be the next race after this uh, episode goes live. So what do you have to think uh, about Bristow if you're going to be racing the uh, half-mile track, shortest uh, track we go to in slide job? Oh, that's going to be fun, <laughs> considering how Daytona has been and just short tracks in general. I haven't had the best luck at Bristol myself. Um, I've wrecked a few times there in other leagues and stuff, so I just hope to keep it clean and finish the race. Well, you mentioned it's been a rough start to your season. Can you kind of go through the first two races we've had, uh, Daytona and, and Chicago? You mentioned a lot of different pit strategy at Chicago, but uh, what went wrong at Daytona, and uh, where was the speed uh, at Chicago, if you could find any? Well, what happened at Daytona, I wasn't even really originally supposed to run that race. Um, I somehow made it on a provisional type thing where people just didn't show up. Um, but at Daytona, I just wasn't pushing the issue and just trying to keep it in one piece, really, and just not ruin many people's days, or if any. Um, and then at Chicagoland, um, it was just really at the bottom and where you could throttle up and really everywhere. Um, but I just pit way too early. I had a lot more fuel in the car, um, but I decided to pit early, and that was just the wrong call. Looking at your stats here, and it appears uh, you've not done a, a ton of slide job uh, races, but you come in here. Are you planning on running the full season? And what is a track that you really have circled on on the schedule? Um, I do plan running this season, the entire season. Um, and a track that I kind of look forward to um is well chicagoland was one of them i've had my best runs there in other leagues <clears throat> and um like michigan and nashville um are some that i have circled because i've just had a little bit more success there in different leagues and stuff and those are just fun tracks in my opinion well, as josh mentioned you don't have a ton of uh, prior history and slide job. So what of what is your goal in this uh, season 10 of the MFRD Premier Series? Where do you want to end overall for the 13? Obviously, you want to be as high up as possible, but what are some realistic goals you have set yourself uh, coming into the season? Um, I didn't really set too many goals besides just like log laps and finish almost every race. Um, but since I've had some okay results not the greatest um i'm kind of top 20 top 15 in points or maybe push for the playoffs but there's a lot of skilled drivers in this league and it's going to be hard to do 
And now it's time for the first edition of the Juicy Spider Gaming Sim Rig Showcase. And on this edition is going to be Josh Coppernel. Josh, uh, w can you describe a little bit about what you race on when we see you race on JCTV in the in the Pitts News Truck Series on Saturday night? Yeah, um, you know, first of all, the my wheel, uh, it's an amazing wheel. Um, I have a Thrustmaster T300 and uh actually Cameron Caldwell is the one that told me about this wheel. He said that he had one and I was in the market for a new one um cuz my old one had uh had broke. It was a a Logitech G920. Uh so I was in the market for a new one and uh talking with Cameron Caldwell, he told me about this and uh, I got it. I've had it for a few years now. I I love it. I have no complaints at all. Um so my wheel is the Thrustmaster T300. I actually was using uh, the original pedals that came with it for a long time. And then I upgraded uh, to the uh, TLCM pedals, which is the load cell magnetic uh, pedals. And um, those are great pedals. I love them. Um, and uh, the, the brake pedal, it has a spring in it, which uh, you know really helps. Which is the load cell essentially, and um, it's uh, feels a, a lot better than what I had when I was running uh, a Logitech, and it actually has more uh, pressure to it than just a standard uh, Thrustmaster one that came with my wheel. Um, as far as shifter, I do have the H pattern shifter. Uh, I believe it's called the TH8A shifter. And uh, the one thing that I, I love about this shifter is I can make it uh, a sequential shifter if I want. Uh, it's totally interchangeable. Came with the tools to do that. Came with a different plate on top to do that. And uh, so I can make it sequential if I want. I typically just leave it in the H pattern uh, style. So like if I'm driving, say, the cup car, um, I'll use the paddle shifting on the wheel rather than trying to switch out to... Uh, make my my uh, TH8A a sequential shifter. So you mentioned you've had that wheel for a couple of years now. Uh, how long have you been uh, participating on iRacing, and uh, how long did it take you to realize you needed an upgrade? It's funny. I've actually so. Um, when I first got on iRacing, I was actually using a Mad Cat's Xbox 360 steering wheel that only had 90 degrees of rotation. And it did not take long uh, for me to realize I needed an upgrade. So I think I had that. I really didn't get into iRacing until 2017, um, like actually to, to be on it a lot more. And um, it, it wasn't until um, about then that I knew I needed something different. I think I had the Logitech for a couple of years um, until it, it broke down on me. Um, and uh, you know, I, was, I was really disappointed because I thought that Logitechs were great products. And I still think they are great products. I'm not like trying to turn anybody away from Logitech because um, they, they do still make great products. Um, but uh, actually, I had issues with the, the pedals. Pedals are what broke. I mean, the wheelbase was was amazing. Um, but all in all, I just wanted something different. And uh, so it was 
it was maybe about 2019 that I ended up getting this uh, Thrustmaster uh, steering wheel. Late 2019, early 2020. And I have to say, it's it's been an awesome wheel. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I have it. Well, when you're out there on the virtual track, what are you having uh, in front of you to help see the, the other cars racing alongside? Do you have a big screen in front of you, triple monitor layout like some people, the fancy people got, or just do a screen? Or what do you got cooking up? So my main screen that I use is a 42-inch uh, TV. I know uh, it's not very popular among people, um, as, as uh, a lot of guys like to run monitors. Um, I use a TV. Uh, it's actually a JVC uh, Roku TV that I literally only use for just gaming. Um, but it's it's been a good TV for me, uh, and uh, pretty much does what I want it to do. I don't need anything too fancy with what I have, um, but that's my main screen. And uh, you know, I did talk a little bit about my secondary screen. I just want to throw out there that that is a uh, 20-something-inch small screen. Just something enough for, for me to uh, be able to see my telemetry. It's an LG. It is a monitor, actually. But uh, it's just too small for me to want to actually try to race on that. Uh, so I prefer to have um, my 42-inch uh, TV as my main screen. So what's cushioning you as uh, you get in the rhythm of these races, two, sometimes three hours long, uh, what are you sitting on um, to race on and I'm sure to broadcast on too? Yeah, so, you know, to um, race and broadcast, my my seat is the same. Um, I actually have uh, bought a rig and it's uh, Next Level Racing uh, rig. I got off Amazon. Um, and uh, it has everything together, my pedals, my steering wheel, um, my shifter. It's, it's all together, and it's really nice. Um, mainly the reason I bought this was because I, um, I had bought a house, and my bedroom had hardwood floors in it. And it was really hard trying to find a way to keep my pedals in one spot without them sliding when I'm just trying to get on a pedal. And uh, so I actually laid down uh, some carpet, um, like a, a rug, tried to keep it on there, but it just it wasn't working. And uh, I'm a very short guy, so I don't have long legs. So I couldn't like prop it up against a wall either and try to... Um, have the wall hold it in place. Uh, so I actually, I was looking on Amazon on this rig and uh, it's, it's amazing. Um, I will say it was a pain in the rear to put together, but once I got it together, I was saying it's, it's been awesome. And uh, you know, the one thing that I like is that the pedals that where I have them sitting at, they're totally adjustable as well. So it'll hold it in place. But if, you know, say somebody that's like 
a foot taller than me wants to try my, my rig, um, you know, I can easily just move my pedals back, uh, adjust uh, the seat a little bit, and it'll fit them perfectly. And I can easily just put it right back to, to where I want it to be. Um, so this chair, it's awesome. It's, it's comfy. Um, so I use it for my broadcasting as well. And uh, I don't move anything on it. Well, you've mentioned your shifter and your pedals. Uh, are you looking into buying anything else? Are you saving up for a new wheel? I know you like the one you got, but uh, is there anything you got tabs on uh, for improving your rig, improving your setup, and uh, making a little bit more comfortable for yourself? Oh, man. You know, ultimately, I would love to have a three-screen setup um, with uh, screens that are, are equal in size and, and all monitors well um you know that's that's a, a goal that i would love to have it's something that I've, I've had in my mind um and uh right now it's a pretty far stretch to get there uh but i'm hoping someday uh within the next year or uh, and a half or so that uh i can make that happen Yeah, and the reason it's like a year and a half or so is because I've got a car payment and a house payment and bills and all this other stuff that it makes it hard to adult. So, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I don't know. I think that really, I mean, touched it all. I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, I don't know. I I really don't know. So I'm sorry. Something that you had mentioned. Um, did you want like another picture at some point, or did you say you were going to use that? Oh yeah. Yeah, it might be a good idea. Yeah. I've got a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean. The biggest issue is going to be trying to move my flight yoke. Like, I have, I will have to move my sim rig to move that. Like, not kidding. And, and that's, that's only the start. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, hey, honestly, <laughs> yeah, I mean, So there's another object uh, that everyone can notice on the picture. Uh, I'm going to restart that. So for those uh, looking at the picture of your rig, Josh, uh, there is something uh, noticeable right there on your desk. Uh, can you describe a little bit what that is? Uh, obviously not part of the sim rig, uh, but I know uh, I'm going to fucking fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> that was a good start, I think. I thought so, too. Well, Josh, uh, thanks for your time and uh, showing us your rig. I'm sure we all appreciate it. It's been uh, fun hearing uh, stories about 
your rise through iRacing and how much you've uh, progressed through your short career here on sim racing uh, but that concludes this edition of the juicy spider gaming sim rig showcase